That is um, Bob Dylan's 1969-70 song, New Morning, an excerpt that touches on the theme of today's podcast, which is number 375, entitled The Same, and is a um, reflection on the newness of the new year, 2024, and a reflection on the nature of ultimate reality and ultimate activity and enduring dynamic in the lives of you and me and everyone who listens because um, where it comes from is uh, uh, yesterday I had the privilege of uh, attending Story Life Church what's known as New Destiny uh, in um, Apopka, Florida with Pastor Paula White and Paula, whom I regard so very highly as a vessel of God's word, spoke um, at both services, and she focused on one particular phrase which embodied in form and in style her core conviction that God's work in this world and in our lives is to be almost entirely differentiated from sort of the normal ebb and flow of human um, repetition. And that may be something you believe already, but it's actually either or. Uh, because of what she said struck me as being in such contrast to what the world would normally say that I really want to underline it today and express what I heard her say and why it is so extraordinarily relevant. She, um, you know, you may have your own uh, sort of um, contextual uh, sort of yellow lights when you hear a Pentecostal preacher and uh, that's perfectly all right. You may have yellow lights when you hear my preaching or John Saul's preaching or David Saul's preaching or Simeon Saul's or any of ours or Mary Saul's talks. But the, um, the core message actually is uh, very much the same. And the core message in Paula's was uh, summed up in a phrase that I can't quite exactly remember what it was. Uh, it's um, uh, an improved priesthood or a... a, uh, a, a uh, a better priesthood, that the future of 2024, in light of the disillusionment and uh, kind of uh, turgid reflection on 2023, whether personally or politically or sociologically or worldwide global or Israel-Palestine, whatever you want to say, the, uh, the, um, the work of uh, God is entirely distinct from the repetitive, uh, radiocinative, uh, seemingly uh, prudent looks uh, and perspectives on what's going on around us, which is really just the wheel in the sky that keeps on turning. You will not see any fundamental change in this world as long as you live in this world. It will not fundamentally change because the, um, the wheel of the world, the flesh, and the devil is so entrenched in this world system that it has to, it requires an outside freshness, a new intervention, a new um, truth, a God 
it has to, um, without going to a suicidal uh, sense of despair, uh, there has to be the conviction, and there is the reality, that there is another truth and another uh, whole, um, again, the word is really a dynamic going on around us. Now, occasionally, <clears throat> the dynamic that the world uh, views and the dynamic that God is undertaking overlap, so uh, they appear to be under observation going in the same direction, but it's purely a superficial um, um, Parallel, because the, um, the the world is so false uh, in its um, surface actions. The truth is under it, but it is so false on the surface that we have to see uh, that there is really no intercourse between that which is final and that which is repetitive. Now, um, <coughs> what <coughs> she said to me when she said we need a new priesthood. <coughs> and she's very much a believer in the priesthood of all believers. She was not talking about the apostolic succession. Let me tell you, she very clearly rebutted any idea of some kind of substantially passed along through the laying on of hands, <coughs> formal or material um, consistency of God's work in the world. She completely and totally dismisses that, rightfully so. All she, you need to do is compare the priesthood of Eli and that of Samuel, the, David and Solomon and the Hophni and Phinehas, and she went through the Levitical priesthoods when they failed three times, <coughs> three times in the Old Testament. There's a failure of the priesthood. Uh, it's not, it's, it does not continue. Uh, unabated. It does not continue without, it's not even a renewal. It's a failure and a new beginning. And she clearly uh, showed that. And it's just true in life. Uh, if you put your hope <clears throat> in a denomination, whether it's United Methodism or uh, ELCA or uh, the Episcopal Church in the USA, you, you, you will be disappointed. Uh, no human um, institution is not susceptible to utter repetitive decline. What is that thing? Does Spurgeon say it or somebody, Chesterton, somebody said, um, every institution ends up becoming the opposite of what it was intended to be. Let me repeat that. Every institution ends up becoming the opposite of what it was intended to be. <clears throat> so if you uh, idealize one particular, the Roman Catholic Church or this school of thought or this group of people, you are inevitably disappointed because the world, the flesh, and the devil are by nature repetitive. And so when she said we need a new priesthood, a fresh priesthood, she was saying, we need a new church. We need a new people of God. And that's actually true. Because if you, <clears throat> if you, if you want to stop and see where is God actually working in the world, you're probably going to find him working in places which are not at all where you would, from this world's point of view, imagine. It's probably not happening in Rome. <clears throat> it may be happening in the Gaza Strip, believe it or not, where one person said recently that he or she expects thousands of Palestinians in Gaza to become Christians in the next year. Well, that may not be true. I hope it is. But um, what does that say? Or that, you know, Nigeria may be the epicenter of world Christianity in its spirit-led form right now, or, or <clears throat> Story Life Church in Apopka, Florida, or um, something happening in Huntsville, Alabama, or, uh, <clears throat> you know, Columbia, South America. It's um you know, God forbid it could be happening in, in Canada. <laughs> we don't know, but God does. It's not as if, you know, who knows? God knows. And there is work happening. And, and <clears throat> to presage a new priesthood, as Paula was doing so mightily and so um, inspirationally last night, is to say that God's work in our lives is quite, quite, quite 
um, to be distinguished from the uh, normal, you know, da 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 da. Someone, um, someone uh, died, I believe, uh, during the uh, uh, election campaign to Senator George McGovern, and I think his last words to his daughter, adult daughter. His last expression of an opinion was, I really want to stay alive to see if Senator McGovern wins. And I just remember at the time saying, well, you know, it doesn't really make any difference. I mean, whether Senator McGovern wins or whether Ronald Reagan wins or whether Gerald Ford wins or whether... You know, Hillary Clinton wins. It's it's still all the same. It it won't. It may change a little bit, uh, and I uh, acknowledge that. Of course, it may change. There may be some. God may uh, attach his uh, his sail to uh, a movement in the world, and I fully uh, believe that. But it'll be temporary at best. So, if you're thinking that uh, Senator McGovern is going to change everything, um, then uh, you know uh, it, this world is too strong for even the very best. But God is not. God uh, is absolutely able to make the change that we are so longing for and so needing. Now, one more thing. As I was listening to Pastor Paula, I thought of Jack Kerouac. Now, you may say, Jack Kerouac, how does he come into a, a discussion of, uh, of uh, an observation, a perception of Pastor Paula? Well, he wrote an extraordinarily a work of genius entitled Some of the Dharma. Now, somebody is blowing leaves outside my house on New Year's Day at 9.30. Now, that's very funny, isn't it? It's not one of our neighbors. It uh, happens to be the man that we hire, but he's apparently decided to come on New Year's Day at 9.30 um, on this beautiful, otherwise serene first day of 2024. Doesn't that tell you? I mean, doesn't that right there tell you about the wheel in the sky? Here it is. You can hear it again. I mean, those leaves really needed to be... Um, blown on uh, one of the quietest and most serene and thoughtful days of the year. At least I think so. But um, the power of um, Kerouac is that he spends about 600 pages in this rather great masterpiece of American Buddhist thinking. But it's not that. It's much deeper than that. It's not. It's, it's Kerouac's sort of undressing of his own subconscious in the face of his experience and his antennae about the world. And it's really about the nature of a detachment. Not detachment in the sort of classic chilly, you know, Buddhist sense when you meet Buddhists who talk about metta. They talk about love and they talk about all the forms that love takes. And they're cold as fish, especially if they're former evangelicals or former Roman Catholics or former this, that, or the other thing. They can be cold as ice, like that song. What is it by? Uh, cold as ice. The same group that uh, uh, did. Uh, It'll come back to me. They were pre-journey. But anyway, um, what we are talking about is that this world needs to be deconstructed and uh, <clears throat> because it is a, it's passing away. Whether you consider it illusory or whether you consider it an unworthy object of your heart, it is passing away and it is also repetitive. And the place to attach your heart is outside yourself to another person here and to God. And this is why, if I may add one other thing, Thornton Wilder's last act of our town, which was first produced uh, in the theater in 1938 and then was made into an excellent movie in 1940, which, as I think I've mentioned on my Instagram post, has just been released on Blu-ray after years and years of being in the public domain and being unwatchable. Such a, like watching a bad 16 millimeter pockmarked movie from storage. And now it's been 
beautifully renewed and remastered. It's gorgeous, and I got it for Christmas from Mary. And then the last act, which you'll remember, everybody's kind of in a sort of intermediate state between death, physical death, and wherever the ultimate state of their souls is, and it's sort of agnostic in terms of the ultimate destination, although God is referred to twice very specifically, even Christ, if you want to see it that way, because... That was always an element in Thornton Wilder. But the main dynamic is that Emily, who has just died in childbirth and is young and is still attached to this world, uh, has a conversation with her deceased mother-in-law, who's been dead for a while. Her deceased mother-in-law, played by Faye Bainter in the movie, is um, Martha Scott playing Emily. Faye Bainter sort of tries to gently wean her a former daughter-in-law from overattachment to this world to the state of relative detachment uh, that uh, the rest of the people are in and the young girl is not yet there and she goes back and sees what's true about life and at first you think she's just sort of idealizing the minor details of life in light of death and they're passing away but that's not what she's really saying she sees the love she sees the soul underneath the interactions on her 12th or in the movie her 16th birthday, <clears throat> when instead of <clears throat> just this or that on a cold, wintry day <clears throat> in Grover's Corners, New Hampshire, she sees the love between her father and her mother, and the love between her mother and herself, and the love of her father for herself, and her brother, who's later killed, <clears throat> dies on a scouting trip, and she sees what's really going on, and what's going on is eternal, and that's what's going on in your life now, not the wheel in the sky that turns, but the power of your heart to be drawn to the work of God in other people and in your life, and this means that you are utterly open <clears throat> to God's um, plan and purpose, which is quite different from what you might sort of conceive or understand. I'm sitting there last night uh, with uh, three people, one of whom I've met just by chance. I'm on my own late, late in the church. And uh, um, four of them are African-American Christians, and there's me. <clears throat> one of them I know and have a nice relationship with, I just a lovely person. And two of the men on my side I've never met before. One is young and one is about 50. And they have initially sort of no desire to talk to me whatsoever. <clears throat> I'm not saying they they just don't, and I, I don't know them. And here we're sitting, and gradually as the service goes on, the older man on the aisle, about 50, suddenly takes my hand at one point, looks at me with a smile, and I immediately realize that he's a Christian. He's a real Christian. And the Holy Spirit links together instantly. I could tell him anything about my life, and I believe he could tell me. And then the young man who comes in, who works at... Uh, a hospital locally and is probably an intern. Uh, he, I would say he's probably a, a nurse uh, at a local hospital. He, whatever he is, he's there and he's all alone, but he's obviously a real active, sweet Christian man. His attitude of his in prayer, his spirit. And he suddenly takes my hand and looks at me and we have this lovely conversation. And I thought of Bishop Moore, Paul Moore, in Christ there is no east or west, in him no south or north, but one great fellowship of love throughout the whole wide earth. I am more connected <clears throat> with these men on my left and this lovely lady on my right through our shared faith in God and our shared experience of the Spirit of God in that service, than a million ideological mandates could make me connect. I am utterly with them. They are utterly with me. If we were to die right then, we'd all be sitting together on those chairs in uh, <clears throat> in um, our town in the last act, although we'd probably have, uh, have uh, 
hopped over the chairs to the next stage. But the power of that. So here's Kerouac. Here's Pastor Paula with her uh, fresh and new priesthood for the new year, a new church, a new life. It could be Tuscaloosa. It could be Nigeria. It could be Birmingham. It could be... um, Charlottesville. It could be wherever it is, but it's not where I think it is. And that's the great power of of the Christian faith and of the New Year's message. God is having a purpose and direct um, interpretation of your experience that is above and beyond anything that the world may give. And it's eternal and lasting. <clears throat> and it will give you the next step. If you're looking for the next step, you will have it. You will find it. What a wonderful thing that I could go to a service at 12 midnight, 2023, on New Year's, December 31st, and hear a message that's so directly applied to my own sense of uncertainty about the future, and yours, if you have a sense of uncertainty at all, whether it's a person or an adult son or adult daughter, or it's a husband or a wife or a prospective husband or a wife or a work situation or a friend or an aunt or a mother or a father. Um... A new person, a new priesthood, a new church, a new world. Thank you so very much. And I'm now going to end <clears throat> with what <clears throat> I used to believe, and I still do kind of believe, is the uh, most uh, delightful single in the history of pop music. I, uh, my friend David Ignatius asked me once, uh, we were doing some kind of a shared activity, and he said, um, "Give me, let me know what your favorite single is, your top five. And I gave them to him. One of them was... Uh, I think inside looking out or outside looking in by the Eric Burden and the animals, but that's not the one. The numero uno one is the one I'm about to play. And he said, after listening, he said, "Well, that's a sort of eccentric choice." He he was sweet about it. He didn't say, "Are you out of your mind?" But this is, <clears throat> at least as a few years ago, this is one's favorite single, and it really uh, applies to what I've been saying. It sort of sums it up, and I hope you like it. I like you. Happy New Year. Bye. Just like I need you